Hello everyone and welcome to episode nine of the Coffee and Coaching podcast today. Me and Jack are joined by one of our friends, you know one of them friends that just goes missing for like 10 years and then you see them again, <laughs> just out the blue and they just act like it's normal. Well, that's what Lucy is to us. Nice to Hello. see you. Introduce yourself and explain Hi. what you do. Hi, I'm Lucy Brabham. <laughs> I'm a female personal trainer based in Heighton at the moment. And I train men and women. Love it. It was the best introduction. <laughs> Straight in there with the, with the simple facts. <laughs> sweet to the point. I am, <laughs> I, am, I am a personal trainer. I train both men and women. Done. <laughs> I only see you, Lucy, like once every couple of months. So, like, you've got very good at just this happened, this happened, this happened, this happened, this happened. See you later. Catch you in four months. Well, yeah, I liked it. Okay. So, a female personal trainer who trains men and women to get sustainable results. No, I've got the giggles, man. So, we asked you to put a couple of questions on your. First, I'd fucking hell. Coffees. Ooh, fuck. Get the coffee up. Yeah, well, go on. Tell everyone. Admit. Lucy, tell us what coffee you've got. I haven't got any coffee today, guys. It's it's evolved with water. So you know that- I had me pre-workout this morning. <laughs> you feel like you're lying to people? Because, like, we, we, we brought this content, we brought this podcast out and we were like, yeah, every episode. Coffee and coaching. About coffee. We named it Coffee and Coaching. There's a coffee mug on the on the logo. Guys, I do like coffee, but right now, you know what I mean? I've had the pre-workout. I've done the session. I'm ready to to bring my body into a parasympathetic state. Oh, fair enough. There you go. Oh, Use the big word, so we'll let you off. <laughs> um, I'm rocking a Starbucks. Thick grind. In a what do you call these? Is it a cafetiere? I think, I think you can it call is. it a French press or a cafetiere. French press. Um, and I put a little bit of lacto free milk in it as a little treat. Ooh. Love that. Um, I'm three coffees deep this morning. Yeah. I've done <laughs> a can of monster. And I'm struggling to sit still in my chair. Yeah, this is Man and Jack's second podcast of the day. So we're just caffeinated to fuck and feeling a bit rowdy. I could do with a modafinil. 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 <laughs> That's the one. Can't even get your words out now. This is going to be an interesting recording, this. Yeah, I'm going to have to spend about 10 hours editing it. Yeah. To make us sound like we're not imbeciles just laughing <laughs> the whole way through the front of it. <laughs> right. Okay. Let's, let's start. Let's compose ourselves. Lucy, you're talking... I mean, you get you basically... Gave us a fantastic introduction of yourself. You're a female PT who trains men and women. What's it like to be a female training men? Um, I'd say, in my opinion, it's quite fun. I wouldn't like to close myself off to the possibility of training the opposite sex just because of the opposite sex. I feel like, you, as a female trainer, like there's nothing stopping me from getting a result with a male. Um, just as in the same way that I'd get a result with a female. I think maybe males can kind of be put off coming to a female PT. Um, but maybe that's because f- some female personal trainers do actually close themselves off to the possibility of training males. So I don't know if whether that gives um, 
men a little bit more reluctant to come to a female PT like me. Mm, definitely. I think I think the the idea for a lot of men getting trained by a female is like the way society has conditioned us is that like men are the dominant ones, if that makes sense. So if you're being told what to do and the, the females in, in the position of power, it's a little bit emasculating. I feel yeah. like a lot of men would, would be would feel that way, regardless of how good the coach is. It's just like if it's just a female telling me what to do, it's just I don't feel like a man. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I'd say that I've 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 had a few a few in the minority. Um sorry, I'm gonna fix this door. Like I'm just gonna pause what I was saying there and fucking put something on it because you have to edit this bit out because that is annoying and you're gonna hear it on the video. Don't edit that out. That stays. I'm not editing that. No, that stays. That's funny. <laughs> I'm not editing but, that. Right, yeah. I think that maybe I've had a few um male clients in the mind, obviously, like that I think feel a little bit emasculated by me. <laughs> Which is normal because you're an absolute unit, you're bigger than them all. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the way initially than me. <laughs> yeah, the, well, thank you. I love a good delt. I, I think I think that maybe initially um the kind of feel as though they're not gonna get a good result with me because I because I am a female. So to cater to a male, I think in their mind is a little bit harder. But if but the truth of it is, if you're a good coach, you will be good at coaching anybody regardless. So especially if you're somebody who is obviously open to training both males and females then you've got to ensure that you're equipped with the knowledge to deal with both male and female as obviously they are slightly different but yeah i, I think i think that would get over that by session two <laughs> it's not like you go on jack sorry i think my favorite thing we were saying this before we started recording like my favorite thing i've watched it with you and i've watched it with nat who we've just had on on the last episode is the I, I think not gonna go down the whole feminist route of like all like hate. Yeah. Different topic, know that. However, let's empower women. Yeah, definitely. And the fact that there are men out there that feel uncomfortable getting trained by women, and then are thrown into a situation where they're looking at a female coach going, "What the fuck's this?" There's no um, way this little girl could put me yeah, through anything challenging. Lucy's fucking screaming at them, and they're thinking, <laughs> "Oh my god, I can't finish this set." what the hell's going on that gives me like a warm fuzzy feeling inside to actually watch that happen like, yeah just an ego getting checked i love an ego getting checked in the gym yeah anyway regardless of the situation i'd say so, that's why maybe training males as a female is is rather fun just because you can kind of see how just how far you can just push them until you just think you know what no i'm done till you yeah, get them to break <laughs> it's almost like like it's almost like when I've watched you in session it's like they're trying to prove that they can do anything that you ask them to yeah but they can't I definitely <laughs> do can't. think that that's the case because I feel like lads will lads will be all too happy to pick up the heavier dumbbells that are going to be like a, a personal best of theirs or whatever picking yeah. them up confidence they're going for it and like <laughs> I think <laughs> that's where ego egos get mainly checked they think they can handle more weight than they can because they're a male they think that they can do more sets than than you could because you're a female it's funny that that's probably like 
my favourite thing about training lads. And they actually get to see how far you tr- like they truly can be pushed. Because I feel like, obviously, they're putting that, that extra little bit of effort in to try and prove a point as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think you get, you get the chance to push males further because they feel like they've got more to prove to you. Yeah. If anything, obviously, it's going to get them a great result because they're training harder. But if anything, they're going to find out pretty quickly and a lot quicker than normal that you trying to outprove your trainer because she's a female is only going to end badly for you. Yeah, literally, I <laughs> agree with that statement. <laughs> Do you enjoy being on a bench next to a man and lifting heavier than him? Is that funny for you? Um. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't say it's funny. I'd say because everybody's at their own at their own place in their journey or whatever. You can't, like everyone says, you can't compare your chapter one to someone's chapter 20 or whatever. Um, So not funny like haha, but (laughs) funny in the sense of like, I suppose they're being challenged, especially when they're looking at you going like, what the fuck? Like, how are they, how is this girl lifting this? Or how is, how is this girl doing like that many sets of that or whatever? Um, So I think like ego definitely gets checked in that sense. Especially even if you just like, I've, I've watched it happen in the gym before, even if it's just a female who's like deadlifting pretty heavy or whatever, like you get lads who are staring and going like, what on earth? What on earth? But, one of my favourite things, especially like, because I've seen it firsthand with you, that you're not built for how strong you are. Like a little male, little male in a female. <laughs> The, the weights you can lift, like remember when I never used to like barbell hip thrust. Yeah, I was about to say that. Man, we we used to start. We started. We were training together. We started hip thrusting, and I think I could do like just over one hundred. You could at the time it was new, obviously, so we were weak at it. You could do like one forty, and then we were like, "Yo, Luis, what do you hip thrust?" And we were like, and you went one fifty or one sixty, and we were like, <laughs> Jack's motivation to train was genuinely the fact that he was going to beat a little blonde girl like for a long time like jack was like i am going to beat you this is gonna happen i I thought that that was impressive my main competition at one point in time was a 60 kilo five foot four blonde female five foot six but yeah (laughs) you were two inches off but yeah wiping the floor with me And I'm not afraid to admit that. Hilarious. Strong AF. Strong AF, man. I think, I think that maybe that's why I enjoy training with lads as well. Like, I have a lot of male friends in this industry. Um, I have some female friends too, but I'd say that I, I, I tend to gravitate towards more males in this industry because I feel like it's, it's go hard or go home. Not that I'm saying that females don't tend to do that, but I think that the the, the fitness route that society kind of ingrains upon females is that it's all high rep, mm. um, banded glute work. And I think that like that's kind of a bit disillusioning for a female in fitness because it's kind of... And it's confusing. It's confusing for the beginner because like they're looking at that kind of content and thinking that that's the only thing that they can do. So you find that a lot of females, not all, definitely not saying all, there's a lot of hardcore females that I know as well, but I, I've witnessed it time and time again with beginners. Um, they'll think that high rep work and, and 
banded group stuff is the only way that they're ever going to get a result. Like, and they won't push themselves to that like dark place when you're training heavy. Whereas I feel like lads are all too ready to jump into that dark place, especially if they're experienced with training. They're all too ready to jump into that dark place and they're all too ready to push you to that dark place as well, especially if they know that like a female enjoys training, enjoys training heavy. I feel like it's encouraging to train with like-minded people. Mm. I think one thing that sets you apart from a lot of female trainers that we know is that if someone is going to come and train with you, they need to be ready to go hard. Like, yeah, not going to be any jumping around, flapping your arms about stuff. Like, if you're hiring Lucy Brabant as a coach, then you like you need to know you're like you you're going to be working hard. Like, yeah, I'm kind of I'm not really not to say that it's a bad thing again, um, but just for me personally, I'm not really too much of like a hit girl or even with clients like obviously right now I I know that people have kind of gotten into the whole home workout schedule of like doing a hit in the morning or following the live workout and I think that it's all good and I think that the information out there or the or most of it anyway the bulk of it is good info it's it's good to get everybody involved the hit workouts and stuff are brilliant especially if you enjoy that kind of training um but I don't really enjoy that kind of training myself. And I don't really have that many clients who come to me looking for that kind of training. Um, mm. I'm more about like resistance training and then cardio when necessary. If you mm. want to do a hit workout twice a week or whatever, fantastic. It'll aid in your goal. And you can do that at home on your own for 15 minutes. I don't really feel like it's something that needs particular coaching. Mm. Um, I feel like when you're resistance training and lifting heavier and like with comp with compound movements like you know your deadlift especially um deadlift squat bench things like that are hard to kind of get to grips with especially if you're a beginner so i feel like those things need that extra attention and that extra coaching and that's the kind of stuff that i prefer to focus on in my sessions rather than the things that i know that a client could do at home and if they can't do it at home i'll show them how to do it at home like, I don't feel like that needs, like, me stood next to them and showing them how to do a baby. You did a post about that, Jack, didn't you? Like, yeah, yeah I was literally... Why, why, why are you employing a personal trainer to stand next to you on the treadmill? You're, yeah. What are you, doing? you are so far the opposite direction of a coach that's going to tell you to get on the treadmill and talk about your day for 15 minutes while you stand there, like... Yeah, yeah. Not, there's more effective here. things that you yeah. could be doing with the, that time because so if, if if your client wants to get on the on the treadmill for 10 minutes 10 minutes to like you know like limber up the body or whatever it is that they think that they're doing by getting on the treadmill and walking for 10 minutes then fantastic but tell them to come to the session 10 minutes early so that they can get that part of their session finished box off and then by the time that they're in with you you're focusing on the important stuff and not you know not to say that asking your clients about their day isn't important, but you can do that while you're getting down to business. Like it doesn't need to be you stood there staring at them for 15 minutes of the 45 minute session, and then they end up with 30 minutes of any kind of quality coaching. And yeah. to be honest, probably even less because obviously you're gonna have breaks in between sets. You're gonna your client's gonna want to rehydrate, whatever it is. So really and truly, you're probably gonna end up with what like. 20, 25 minutes of true quality coaching if you're spending 15 minutes on the treadmill. Mm. Exactly. The, the time that the client is paying for has got to be as efficient as possible. Yeah. Can't be sat there just taking the piss. Um, 
I think what would be a good thing to touch upon in a little bit is myth busting why the fuck people shouldn't be doing crab walks with fans around the fucking knees but first should we outline what the sort of the the basic going back to what you said to start like men don't think that you'll be able to train them because you're a female mm-hmm. in general like are there like let, let's talk about the differences between that you see between training men and females like what do you do anything differently when you're programming for them um do you see different issues consistently pop up with your females versus your male clients so i'd say obviously the main difference between men and women is like women obviously have a period and a cycle a menstrual cycle that that goes with it so at certain times within the month like there there are certain times when cravings will spike like the the need the want sorry to eat more is there and maybe the weight gain as well um not to say that it's necessarily weight gain it's most likely water weight but you see a lot more fluctuation with females i'd say so when programming um you have to just kind of take into account that like you know every every week you you aren't gonna see a, a massive drop like some some weeks maybe it'll go up but that's that's down to if, if the client is following the program closely that is mostly down to home like hormones and you know what i mean like if you're a female i feel like you have to kind of, even though it's something that you wish didn't happen you have to get used to the fact that your body is consistently changing all the time it's always going through a cycle and at different points in the in the month you're going to experience a decrease in strength maybe an increase in strength at certain points of the month you're going to feel less motivated and with less energy during the month and yeah but i feel like in general like so yeah the menstrual cycle i'd say is one of the biggest things and it does take a toll in terms of hormonal balance and stuff like that and obviously that relates to your strength and all the rest of it but i also think that like males and females are pretty similar in the sense of um you may you may not see the weight go down with a with a male every single week you may not see that 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 quickness with a male but you can expect males to get maybe more of a consistent drop or more of you in more of like a routine let's say kind of dropping weight if their goal is fat loss um but other than that not much changes program wise like i tend to do the same compound lifts with males as what i do with females i don't think there's any there is no gender specific like training program yeah. that is yeah, the, ba- the basic principles are just exactly the same yeah nothing you nothing lose, changes you want to lose weight reduce stress calorie deficit train hard retain your muscle if you want to gain weight and put muscle on train hard eat a lot of food yeah there's essentially the, no the difference thing. other than yeah there's essentially no difference other than Obviously, like I said, I touched upon the upon, upon the menstrual cycle. It's not the be all and end all, but yeah, when programming and when dealing with female clients, that there is that factor that you do need to like be sensitive towards. As in, you know, if you're a good coach, you wouldn't do this anyway. But I know plenty that do. Don't bollock your client for putting on a point five of a kilo like <laughs> during their menstrual cycle like during when they're about to come on the period like sorry guys but it's just it's just what it is what it is you know the female body does fluctuate a little bit more than male so i think that sometimes 
some male coaches kind of don't get that fully yeah. in which case like it's so it's it's such easy info to look up and to like as well if you're dealing with like female clients who particularly struggle with their diet and nutrition around this time then simply me personally i would simply take the calories slightly up mm. and then bring it slightly down when when that little phase has passed yeah. it's it's so easy i um, think go on, on where you were saying like the certain things you enjoy about tra- training male clients as a female that's one of the little things i enjoy as a male coaching females that's so interesting there are differences in male to female in the menstrual cycle some men are uncomfortable talking about whereas when it comes to body composition and training it massively impacts everything it interests your diet mood how yeah definitely train. so when you sit down with a new client and you're like right we're going to talk about your menstrual cycle now you're like oh. i'm probably going to tell you some things that you didn't know yeah it's coming from a male and they're like oh wow okay i didn't know that yeah because there's reasons for everything i think sometimes when females come to you in the in the first instance they're like you know like say if they've been with you for three weeks two three weeks and then they experience a dip in energy and then that dip in energy leads to a dip in motivation and then because of the dip in energy and motivation they feel like they're snacking more they feel like they're maybe not sticking to plan more that is your job as a coach to explain to them why they feel this way and give them a an active solution that they can then put in place to ensure they still reach their goals because it is totally doable it's just that some coaches either don't know don't find the time or don't care enough to make those changes for their female clients what i've done in the past sorry jack or they just don't feel comfortable talking about it yeah which is mad because really and truly like if, if you're a male i know it's a little bit of a weird one to approach because you never know if you're going to offend somebody or you never know if someone is going to feel comfortable talking with you like that but i think if you if you approach it in the way that you do jack i've, I've i know that you're kind of open and stuff with your clients if you approach it in just a really casual way and explain to them the kind of the outline of what the menstrual cycle means for a woman who's trying to lose weight let's say i feel like women are much more open to talking to their male trainer about it once they've brought the subject up and kind of said well actually maybe this is why your mood's feeling a bit low maybe this is why you're feeling a bit demotivated i think that it's much easier if you just approach the situation really casually and scientifically it's it's just the scientific process of the body it's not it's nothing to be ashamed of i read a paper once and it was talking about how the like certain, obviously when your hunger goes up, depending on what time of the month it is, it translates to a desire to eat about 200 extra calories a day, but then people actually end up eating like six, 700 calories on top of what they normally would. But if you can like, if they're in a dieting phase, that is. So if you, and they're restricting themselves, if like what I've found works like ridiculously well, pretty much every single time I've put it in place, just 200 extra calories of fruit, specifically fruit and i got it from james smith yeah, it's yeah. Like, literally it's like it's like fruit like you're craving like high calorie things and, and fruit is essentially sugar so it has the same neurochemical response as eating sweets would do effectively so it's like if you're craving loads of food if you just implement instead of saying right say your calories are 1500 throughout the month instead of keeping on that and trying to grit your teeth and go through that 
whilst you're going through this period of extra hunger like actually just put your calories up by 200 and get it all from fruit yeah and then now you're not going to go and fuck your diet up over that one week i think that a lot of a lot of clients and trainers are scared to up up a up the cal- the calorie count of, of a female client because it's like oh god well what if they don't get that eight week transformation that you're after or what it's not really that's where it's it's our job as a coach to understand that yes it is about getting a result for the clients of course it is that's why they're paying us but it is also about education and educating them on the reasons why we are doing these things mm. if that um, 200 calorie bump is 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 right for that client at that time then you as a coach have to explain to that client that that is exactly why we're doing it and it's going to benefit you in the long run otherwise mm. you know <laughs> you were giving you 200 extra calories you're going to end up eating the 600 anyway yeah. so do what we say you'll probably stay in your calorie deficit and you'll probably still see the results that you're after. You're just being a lot kinder to yourself about it and not being as hard on yourself. You're simply yeah. making the changes that you need in accordance with the cycle. Exactly. I had this conversation yesterday with someone. Again, just one of these calls that I've mentioned before where I'll just literally book a call in with someone and chat to them for like an hour. Yeah. For some help. And uh, main issue was if she just diets, she can lose weight. If she diets and trains she gains weight. Interesting. Okay. When you're dieting alone, are the calories the same as when you're dieting? Ah. And she was like, yeah. I was like, okay, what are the calories? She was like, 1,200. I was like, there you go. I was like, explain to her like BMR, like total calories burned over the day and stuff. Explain that like, if you're training, you're burning more calories, need more food on those days. And I was like, you're making it harder for yourself. Like the diet alone, if you can just solely focus on the diet, then yeah, it's 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 achievable to go low on calories like that because you've not got to recover from training and other stuff. Yeah. But if you're training, you're going to need more food. You're going to feel more hungry. So you end up overeating because your calories are low and you can't stick to it. And then introduced like information about the menstrual cycle and how for those like pretty much two weeks around menstruation you're gonna want to eat a little bit more food so do and just yeah and and that's not you that's not you as a coach giving somebody free reign to go and eat whatever they want this is you making simple like tweaks to somebody's everyday diet that are gonna benefit them in the long run and still get them a result they may not understand it at the time but that that is the reasoning behind it my favorite thing that comes from that call and it happens all the time as well is the I was like, so what I'd do is I'd start on these calories on rest days and I'd start on these calories on training days for the two weeks post-menstruation and I'd start on these calories and training and rest days during like the menstruation two-week window. And she was like, that many? Madness, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, 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 you'd be sweet. Like, if you don't lose weight, sound, as long as you don't, if you don't gain weight, or it goes yeah. up by a pound or a kilo or whatever, like sound, but you know it's coming off in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, so, and this is the thing as well. I think that I've found, I've found that a lot of girls don't want to do that. They don't want to put the calories up. It's yeah. madness how much I've seen, especially over this lockdown. Like, really? You think that I should be eating that many? Yes, I do think that you should be eating that many. People but, overestimate what a calorie does. Like, if you yeah. up your cal, like, there's not that much difference between 1,500 and 800 calories, like 300, 
if you yeah. that if you're in a 300 calorie surplus for 10 days what nothing happens and that most was, of the time if you up your calories by 300 you're still going to be in a deficit anyway so that's the, that's the other thing i always say to people as well as like i'm making these numbers up essentially i'm using some maths and i'm using my knowledge to give a base yeah that's just a guesstimation yeah. if i get it wrong you just change them i'm like don't stress about it because we'll just change them and then you'll yeah. lose weight don't, don't don't freak out about it like things yeah. are just, like we're figuring this shit out so just chill it's all right more just people you've been to someone before and they've been like you need to lose this much weight oh you haven't lost this much weight this week and then you come to someone like us and we're like yeah, don't worry about it we'll fix it <laughs> yeah don't worry guys we'll we'll fix yeah. this it's fine it's just like yeah okay so them calories were a little bit high all right we'll pull them back a bit or oh those calories were a little bit low and you you can't stick to them. Let's put them up a little bit. Yeah. Literally. It's not a big thing because there's so much other things going on that we're focusing on. What people need to realise as well, going back to what you were saying when you you gave that that um the woman on that phone call her calories and she's like, Whoa, that's so high. People like when you're trying to improve body composition, you're trying to grow muscle and lose fat. Like you can't grow muscle on twelve hundred calories. Unless you're like four foot, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> that's an exaggeration. Well, that's it's a all relative. It's all relative. But like, if you're in like a, a, we said this on, we did the whole podcast on stress on like stress, didn't we? I think it was in this one, in that one. Sorry, it was like if you're in a one thousand calorie deficit, you're not retaining muscle. No. And I think that's a problem that, as trainers. Like, as coaches, we're, we're seeing this all the time. So we're seeing these people come to us who are in a mess from other trainers or in a mess because they've read some information, thought that they had it right in their head, and then they went and slashed their calories right down and dropped a load of weight, but now they're not going anywhere. And they've stuck mm -hmm. to it for a period of time, but, like, they're seeing no change now, and they've plateaued, and there's literally nowhere to go in their mind. And then they come to people like me and discuss it, it's literally like so I actually had a conversation with a girl and it was literally this scenario and she come to me and was saying like you know like what do I do and I was like well the reason you're not making progress anymore is because your body literally has nowhere to go there's there's nowhere to go from where you are like you know what I mean your calories are so low that what can your body do what are you fueling your body for so I basically explained to her what reverse dieting was and suggested that this would be the best move to get it in a place to then restart the fat loss phase and get her to her goal. Because she hadn't lost the weight that she had wanted to lose. Um, but that is that was simply because the calories were far too dropped too low, far too soon. Which is why like slow and steady is always gonna win the race. Um a lot a lot a lot a lot faster metaphorically than what <laughs> a six-week plan will because the six-week plan will get you the result initially it will get you the result quickly but then what happens after those six weeks what happens when you're left on your own you don't know how, what to eat how to eat because you've been following a meal plan for so long you've been following the chicken and broccoli diet for that long that you don't know any other way to eat and you haven't educated yourself or your coach sorry i should say has not educated you on what nutrients your body specifically needs they've given you a cookie cutter plan and so that is the problem that i'm seeing 
consistently throughout this in like industry this is probably the thing that i get the most dms about um and it's literally like oh my god like what the hell do i do i'm eating a thousand one thousand two hundred calories like i don't eat that much like how come i am not losing weight and there is a simple answer you have been in a calorie deficit for too long probably you have exhausted your calorie deficit down to the ground and now no results are coming your way because there's nowhere to physically go and you're probably still not going to achieve the physique that you want because you're not going to be able to build any muscle as Isaac was saying before and so you'll kind of still be left with the same frame just smaller it's important to mention on that one as well like we've spoke about this before me and Isaac have had like discussions on this as well when you reach like that low calorie point that you've got clients on and they're like I'm on 1100 calories and I'm not losing weight I'm definitely not going to go up to 1800 because then I'll gain weight and what we know is going on and what it's hard to explain to them is that we know you're not eating 1100 calories yeah scientifically if you were strictly sticking to 1100 calories you chances are you would be losing weight yeah because it's so difficult to stay that restricted for so long. You're cheating the diet. So 1,100 calories, and then on Saturday or Sunday or Wednesday afternoon, something high-calorie goes in that blows that 1,100 calories out the window that they're not even registering. Mm. And probably as well. Disappointed in going over 1,100 calories. But then if they were to actually log all of the 1,800 calories, it would probably be less calories than what they are consuming now when they're trying and failing at sticking to 1100 mm. yeah and let's be honest if you are in such low calories and bear in mind we're talking about gen pop clients here we're not talking about like prep clients or anything like that um if you are if your calories are that low it is not sustainable there is no way that you're going to continue to eat 1100 calories for the rest of your existence like and and to be honest why would you want to what what a sad existence that would be You're miserable but, yeah, and the thing is, you, you should be kind of, I think what we, we all kind of do as coaches is look to make the results as sustainable as possible for the clients and as enjoyable as possible because I literally did a post about this today on Instagram and it was just like, why are you, okay, so like, yeah. I hate the word diet, but let, let's use it. Um, so you are dieting to reach a particular goal, the goal of you being fat loss. Why make it more miserable and harder than it needs to be why not just like allow your coach or employer coach to teach you that that those quality like those qualities those those like little knowledge bombs about your nutrition and maybe like maybe you're somebody who needs who who needs a bit more hands-on guidance so maybe you need a coach who is going to provide you with your calories, your macros, and then so maybe some recipe ideas. Maybe maybe that's the problem. But I, 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 I think that when when we're taking on clients, a lot like a lot of us will have seen clients come to you being like, "Can I? Can can you just give me a meal plan? Can you provide me with a meal plan?" No, no, I can't. I can't because that is not teaching you anything about food. It's not teaching you anything about what you're consuming. It's not teaching you about protein. It's not teaching you the fundamentals of nutrition and why why you are consuming the things that you're consuming so like looking for a cookie cutter meal plan and expecting like it to just work and oh it's 1100 calories so of course like yeah of course it'll work for for what for two months let me ask you this one you've probably i've had it so i'm sure you've had it is 
when a client's come to you and they want a meal plan. And like, there's a time and a place for a meal plan. Yeah. Education. But when a client comes to you and asks for a meal plan and they go, oh no, no, I don't want that. I just need a meal plan. And yeah, in your head, you're going, you don't just need a meal plan. You yeah, you need the whole knowledge. You need it all. To move you the fuck away from a meal plan because the fact, just the simple fact that you feel like you need a meal plan to lose weight signifies how much you don't need a meal, you don't just need a meal plan. Yeah, yeah. Because I don't think there's anything wrong with initially giving the client and okay so maybe maybe they've never trained with a personal trainer before maybe they're coming from a place of never having dieted before um whatever it is maybe they're a complete novice to fitness and giving them some ideas of what they can eat and stuff like that is fine but i think that sometimes these meal plans are given out and clients are expected to follow them to the letter and the truth is we know that that doesn't happen we know that clients don't do that they will tell you that they've at what they've ate on the plan and really like they've ate that and then some what's the point in giving them this miserable meal plan that like is is chicken and broccoli forever yeah. and like <laughs> and they're not enjoying it they're actually hating it there's there's no enjoyability about it because i feel like that kind of sucks the whole life out of it you should be enjoying the process i say mm. enjoying loosely <laughs> because <laughs> obviously it's it's like it's graft but you should be enjoying it as much as as possible yeah, like there's the, you just you if, if people, like people who just eat chicken and broccoli first, like that diet, you're not getting the nutrients that your body needs. If you're eating no. the same vegetable repeatedly and the same meat repeatedly, no. Let's take chicken and broccoli. You're getting no iron. You're getting very little iron in your diet from well, eat some red meat, you dickhead. Also, <laughs> like there's only so many vitamins and minerals in broccoli. Like get some spinach in, put some onion. Yeah. You fucking scan and get some and it can lead to digestive issues as well can't it by yeah, repulsively yeah. eating the exact same thing for yeah. a sustained long period yeah, of time I, I'm, I'm sure he won't mind us mentioning it because um, he speaks quite openly to us about it but Danny struggled for years yeah. Yeah, yeah and still now trying to get to the bottom of it because stuck to the same what like I, I think it was chicken and broccoli wasn't it he said Something, something like that. Just stuck to the same meals for ages, and it, his digestive system just doesn't work no more. Forgot how to digest everything else. Yeah, but that, like that alone, is just enough. But also, it's like what you just said. You need to enjoy it. Like, what the fuck are you making hard for yourself for? Like, we had another podcast. Yeah. Like, it's like season. Like, I, I was, I replayed the thing back, and I was crying, laughing. You season your fucking food, man. <laughs> yeah, like, literally. Season like, why it. Are you chicken? Like these horrible like what knocks me sick specifically is when people just have white boiled chicken with nothing on. Couldn't like, have that. Just get in the bin. Just don't have put that. it on your plate, just put it in the bin straight away. But just <laughs> shit, man. Just season it. <laughs> we hate boiled chicken. You even though we were talking like season your veg as well. Like veg yeah. doesn't taste that good, season it. Oh, I don't really like veg. I know why you don't like veg. Yeah. You don't like veg because you're buying frozen veg, cooking it in a microwave, yeah, and eating that sweaty, wet, slightly warm yeah. veg. Yeah, like any, or like a lot of my friends, I've got a good like four or five friends who don't eat vegetables. Yeah. Like, I know why you don't eat vegetables because I've been at your house when I was a child for dinner and I've seen <laughs> what gets put on your plate. It's not. I've seen 
eating them nasty ass over. It's not real veg, hun. Vegetables getting put on your plate. Roast a vegetable. No, but like even the thing is, there's so many things that you can do. And I know, listen, like I don't. I know, like maybe a handful of people who will say, like, oh yeah, like I love this particular veg. Like I, I'm not like the most huge fan of vegetables. I just I eat them because I'm an I'm, a, I'm an adult. Yeah. <laughs> I'm an adult and I, I've got goals and, and, and in order to be a healthy human being you have to you have to have these nutrients and the way you're going to get them is from your vegetables yeah. so eat them and do what you need to do to eat them if you need to put some skinny sauce on it put some skinny sauce on it like you do what you need to do yeah like like oh. what, were you, what were you talking about salt and pepper broccoli in the other podcast Jack yeah. like that's fucking unreal yeah I salt and pepper everything yeah <laughs> yeah like that, the way you've just said that then sums it up perfectly. Like, you're not a five year old, and your mum's no longer there to tell you to eat your veg or you can't have a dessert. Just be an adult. Like, yeah. it needs to be done. You know, veg. There isn't one human out there that doesn't know the vegetables are good for you. Yeah. Just, like, and you've got to do what you've got to do. At the end of the day, we, we'll say this time and time again as personal trainers, as coaches. I know that as a coach, I have said this a thousand times, but like nothing good ever came from staying comfortable. And if eating veg makes you uncomfortable, then that is what it is. You've got to deal with the uncomfortableness of it all. Like yeah. this is the thing, nothing, not, nothing amazing ever happens when we're just, we're just sat around like stagnated, like good things happen when you push yourself out your comfort zone. And if, and if as little as it is, if pushing yourself out your comfort zone means that you start to consume some vegetables, then that's what it is. Your body's going to thank you for it. The mm -hmm. fact of the matter is to see a result, if it's really something you want, you'll do whatever it is that you need to do to get there. Mm -hmm. Hopefully your coach is going to make it as, as attainable for you as possible, but you're going to do what you need to do. That means that you need to, you need to have a saving of vegetables day and that's what you need to do to, to get to that place in a healthy way but what are we even talking about like it's the, the logic behind it it's the same on the whole race like the, I know like there was the whole blackout Tuesday yesterday and people saying like this shouldn't even be a discussion there are things that exist in the fitness industry that shouldn't even be a discussion like oh, yeah. adult, deal with it what are we actually talking about? We're talking about eating a vegetable. I'm not. I think that all of this broken glass. Like yeah. Yesterday on that podcast, we're not asking you to go out and hug every ethnic minority in the world. We're literally just asking you to be an adult and stop being a bit of a dickhead. Yeah. Like, what are we discussing? Like we're having this discussion now about I don't like vegetables. Like. Shut up. Like, a lot of this stuff starts in childhood, though. That's a broccoli on your plate. That's what it. You've done it. You've achieved yeah. it. But you it comes did. from weak discipline as, as parents when the kid's, yeah. like, six. Yeah. Like, tell your kid to eat this fucking broccoli. I think that, like, it is a problem, actually, that, like, we are seeing. Can I just cut in and apologise that if, if I tried to sound like I was comparing eating vegetables to the racism issue that we dealt with yesterday. <laughs> I wasn't. I'm just pointing out the fact that there are discussions that don't need to happen, but still seem to be happening all the time. Um, very different situations <laughs> altogether. Like away from the seriousness of everything that we've done yesterday because of vegetables today. 
I think that like to apologize for that. I think a lot of people are like are starting to notice that this kind of thing actually begins in childhood though. So like I feel like um health isn't promoted by parents and so they raise unhealthy children. Mm. And like that's not me coming for anyone's parenting skills, it's just me stating a fact that we see time and time again in in like the rise in numbers of obese children. Like if we're if we're gonna it's quite a serious topic really, but if you know, if we're gonna talk about something as simple as not eating your vegetables, we know where this comes from already because research has been done on it for years. That this comes from childhood. And so if if I if in childhood you were never taught to be healthy, then it's your job as an adult to choose to be healthy and look after your body. It's as simple as that. Like sometimes, you know, nobody's saying that everybody has to train for aesthetics sometimes it really is just about actual health mm. and about not being obese and not getting diseases yeah, like sometimes it really is as simple as that it's just about making you the most healthy version of you that you could possibly be like liverpool is one of the most uh, is one of the cities that's highest in childhood obesity there's a have i ever jack did I t- you know when we used to go we used to all go to the Starbucks, actually, the Starbucks and speak. I'll tell you about the lecturer that um, I got talking to. Yeah, I think you, I remember. You Robert, Noonan, Robert Noonan, I'm sure his name is. Um, and then at the time, I went away after speaking to him and read loads of his papers and he, he re, he's researching, all of his research basically is in the, the relationship between... Um, sort of how society is set up and different demographics and how and levels of health basically and Liverpool is massive in childhood obesity and it's largely down to the fact it's such a deprived city and it's like it costs a lot for 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 families that are poor it costs a lot to be able to to in comparison to I'm gonna start again because that was terrible Right. It costs more to eat vegetables than it does to eat a Mackey's. And yeah, yeah. going back to what we were talking about before the podcast as well, hyperpalatable foods, like what looks better, a Mackey's or, or some vegetables. And if you're a, a family that is not necessarily educated about health and you you happen to be poor, it's much easier to just go to Mackey's every night. And yeah. then rather than spend time cooking meals, and that is bred through generations and then that's why childhood obesity is going up. It is it is really sad. Because, like, it, as well, like, as much as I agree with the whole healthy food tends to be, like, the more expensive option. And so, obviously, that is going to show, like, the that's going to... Sorry, I, what am I... What? So let me say that again. You both just <laughs> had the brain fart. Yeah, literally. You can you can delete that bit. Yeah. Nah. So basically, although I understand that like it, it co- the obesity correlates with what kind of like income people may have due to the fact that like vegetables, like lean meat, etc., may be seen as the more expensive option over something that's fast food and you can get like something off the one pound menu or whatever it is. I think that like sometimes things are marketed as more expensive than what they actually are as well so like you can always find cheaper produce like it it's never you don't you don't have to be unhealthy just because you're not in the best financial situation 
don't mm. get me wrong i completely understand completely understand that like it's hard with children and it is often a lot less expensive to just kind of go and go and buy whatever but it just takes a little bit of effort in looking that's the thing and it's something and as well like let's not forget although okay frozen might not be the most tastiest frozen is also cheaper and it also lasts a lot longer so mm. if you want to buy frozen chicken breast or whatever it is and frozen broccoli you buy those frozen things that fit your budget you make a, your lifestyle work for you because you know you're gonna get to a point where you're gonna you're gonna need other people to kind of intervene and and help you out with what your with your nutrition and your, like your fitness and like your health and you don't we don't really want anybody to be getting to the point where they're like 300 300 pounds and like have you seen have you seen so this is like on topic but off topic like my my 300 pound life and things like that yeah, like and these these youtubers who like yeah. do these mukbangs and they're extremely overweight and they come from and like a lot of them do come from like deprived homes and stuff so this is the kind of food that they've grown up on and like it's so understandable to me that as a deprived family you you would go for the cheaper option of course mm. but like do bear in mind that there are cheaper options out there. Like you don't need to invest in a fancy meal prep company. You really don't. Mm. You don't need to invest in fancy like produce. You just need to invest in the bare minimum and mm. like give your children the most basic of knowledge, even just so that they don't end up being like my 300 pound. Mm. Like the, the habits need to be formed at a young age. Just like if you're, if that's the, the child's life is, is used to eating Mackey's and Domino's every night it's like that is how he will he or she will grow up just eating those same foods and as well this is why we see like so many people who are overweight or are um, unhappy with their body or whatever it is because these people often come to us wanting this quick fix but the reason why we we tell them that like a longer more sustainable approach is isn't more necessary than this quick fix is because it takes so much time to unlearn those bad habits that you already have, especially if they're ingrained from childhood. Like, think about how many years those bad habits have been formed over. Like, you aren't going to break those bad habits in four weeks. You have to give yourself the time and be kind to yourself while you're doing it. You, you know, you're learning. So it's you, you have to give your, yourself that time to unlearn that behaviour. It's like anything. We live in a, we live in a society of now i was speaking to adam martin about this the other day and it you see it impact especially in our job you see it impact every every factor in what we do of when you have someone come up to you and because we live in such an instant society of like there's pictures of people looking amazing straight there on your phone food yeah. delivered to your door you can deliver, have a something on amazon the same day you can have food delivered to you. You can get a taxi like that. Like everything is just now, 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 now. When it comes to health and a healthy lifestyle, it all takes time and a lot um, people just aren't used to that. Well, it's that. It's a lifestyle. It's a um, lifestyle, isn't it? It's yeah. not just you, something you do for six weeks. It's so like, life is this now if you want to. food. Like if you go to Asda to do your shop, yeah, the veg is expensive. If you were to then spend an extra 20 minutes going to your local, like we've got a local food store thing that's just opened up on West Derby Road. We're in a very low income area. 
that's fresh fruit and veg there and that's all they sell and it's ridiculously cheap like a full punnet of like 500 strawberries was like 80p what that guy said to me which really stuck with me is um he, he said one phrase i'm sure it, it was like if everyone ate carrot and coriander soup the economy would just be fucked like the budgets that Mackies have and the budgets that Domino's have and then you compare it to that shop that you just mentioned yeah. like no one knows that shop's there but everyone knows yeah. Mackies is there it's yeah. like society is geared to they there's millions and millions of hours have been spent researching like what colors to to make these pictures that they yeah. put in bus stops they put it on they, they put it on your phone they it's on the tv when yeah and make no mistake about the way that a supermarket set up either like I know. you know that around the edges that's the bad stuff the bad stuff sorry i'm oh. doing I'm doing that little air quotation thing with my hands. You're not going to see this, but that's what I'm doing. <laughs> we, you know, like, that's why it's there. That's a marketing tactic. That's a marketing tactic so that when you walk in the store, that is the first thing that you see. That is the that is the visual that you're going with throughout yeah. the store. So when you're shopping for your greens and whatever, really you're thinking about the massive chocolate bar that you've just seen on the way in that isn't now on offer for a pound. Yeah. The, the crafty fuckers, they put the most expensive shit at eye level. They also put the milk and bread. No, I don't know if it's in every shop, but definitely Asda. Every Asda you go into, or every Asda that I've ever been into since someone told me this, the milk and bread is in the direct opposite corner from where the door is. So if you want to get to that bread and milk, which is what most people are going to the shop for, or what people are always going to get when they go to the shop, you have to go through across the shop and the likelihood is you're going to see something on the way to that bread and milk that you're going to buy museums have been doing it for years mate you can't leave a museum without going to the gift shop yeah well yeah ikea ikea did the fucking best at it yeah you have to walk past every single item in the shop before you get out otherwise then, you don't get out right at the door they're like hey how was your escape from Ikea? Are you, <laughs> do you want some of our food that's conveniently by the door? Yeah, and then they're trying to sell <laughs> you Marabou, which is unreal chocolate. And they're there like, come on, this is what you need. Just placed around the shop is little baskets full of dime. Like, yeah, yeah. We've been in here for six weeks now. <laughs> Near the end, have some dime. Like, mm. not soft. But that's like... the. the millions of dollars millions of dollars we're not in america millions of pounds and millions of hours of research is spent working out how to make you eat lots of lots of food not carrot and coriander soup so it's just and that's why it seems like the most unappealing option like that's why it seems so unappealing because like the the fast food, shall we say, is is marketed as something more exciting, something more tasty, something you know, you know, you don't really get that for vegetables. <laughs> you yeah. don't really get that for, for lean chicken. Oh, no. For chicken. Have you seen the vegetable advert that's out now to try and get kids to eat vegetables? No. no. Um, it's terrible. Like is it so bad? McDonald's marketed as tasty, lovely, all the chocolates made to look really nice. <coughs> Hyper palatable, high calorie foods marketed to taste to make to, to make you look like it's lovely and tasty. And I don't know whether it's a, like a, a government advert or whatever it is. I think it is. The advert is fight back against vegetables, and the adverts 
depicting these monsters, little monster vegetables coming, and the kids have to eat them to like get rid of them because they're monsters. Like we're trying to encourage them to eat them, and you're showing the broccoli as a bad guy. Like you're showing the broccoli as a monster here. What the fuck? Whatever, whatever the like, it's just a warped message of. We're trying to get kids to eat vegetables. We're trying to look good by telling kids to eat vegetables, but we don't want to make them too tasty because McDonald's. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's not anyone saying, like, don't have a McDonald's, by the way. This isn't anyone saying, don't yeah. you ever dare have, have, a, have a, like, a fast food um, Always like, saying, item. don't nail it every night. Yeah, like, it's just, it's just about... It, it, you know what? I say this literally all the time, but consistency is key, and it's what you do consistently that determines your results not what you do on a one-off so mm. if you have a one-off meal every every now and then that is some kind of fast food like okay like don't sweat the small stuff like what you do consistently will override what you do every once in a while but mm. if you're the kind of person that is consistently nailing burgers every single day like the fact of the matter is you're your good eating and good training sessions and all that are in the minority they're not the consistency the mm. consistency is your bad nutrition mm. so that's not a one-off like that's the thing that i think people need to get to grips with no one's saying don't eat these things although i know that we've been <laughs> we have been kind of saying about moving away from eating that stuff but we're saying reduce your intake of that stuff look at other things like you know you don't need to buy the best of the best of everything it, it just needs to be sufficient i think people need educating like yesterday when we were talking about the po- the podcast about racism, people need to be fucking educated. But in the same way, again, not comparing racism to eating vegetables like Jack just did. <laughs> but oh, throw me under the we'll cut that out. Like people need to know that they need to eat vegetables. Like people don't think they do. Like people aren't aware of how important vegetables are. And so it's like if you I forgot what I'm saying, I'm gonna cut this out. No, leave it because I know what you're saying. Like, so I I cut veg out for two. People don't understand the importance of actually eating vegetables. They just think they just get hammered with eat veg. It's good, but they don't understand what's actually going on inside and how good it actually is. Like, you jogged me memory, lad. Nice one. Um, I I pulled some veg out just because I was really busy and like just was eating on the go in between having like a busy couple of days, like four days. My digestion went out the window. Mm. Like went out the window and that was four days because my digestion is so used to having those nutrients in there that it fucking threw a hissy fit when they weren't there. And the mm. thing is, the reason that we tell you to do this kind of thing, it, you know, everything that we tell you to do as, as a, a reason behind it, it's not just like throwaway comments like eat your veg. Like, like Jack was saying, like that threw his digestion off completely. Because digestion is thrown off completely, that can like put your body into a state of stress. So it adds more stresses. So that then recovery is harder. Like training becomes a bit more of a, tr- a chore because your body's not recovering quick enough to then train again. Like it just leads to a whole list of, of problems. Even outside of training, it's like it's like every single process that happens in your body is controlled by the vitamins and minerals. Like everything, every enzyme does a job in your body has been created and is most likely got some sort of vitamin attached to it that gives it a shape so that it can work it's like <laughs> if you're if you're not giving your body the nutrients that it needs it can't work 
you cannot you cannot be healthy you cannot train hard you cannot get the results you want but also you're probably going to die like 20 years earlier so what i was going to say which you reminded me of is i was watching jamie oliver the other day how hilarious hilarious is it he's just (laughs) trying to get kids to eat healthy and everyone hates him everyone He took no away Turkey Twizzlers. That's why we hate him. No <laughs> generation can't forget Turkey Twizzlers being. Stuck. That is what it is. People hate him because he took away the Turkey Twizzlers. This like, give it a rest. The guy literally tried to make kids be a bit healthier, but took away Turkey Twizzlers, right? And it's impacted this generation so much that his Liverpool restaurant went under. The whole restaurant chain, I think, went under. <laughs> made up. Because he took away Turkey Twizzlers. Like, like, the UK, like, we're hating on Jamie Oliver for taking away Turkey Twizzlers, nope. but not praising them for the fact that they actually wanted, he actually wanted to ingrain some good habits in that's their what, children. That's what, I, that's what I was going going for, and I just forgot what I was saying just then. It's like, people need to be educated. Like, this man is trying to extend your child's lives and give them a better quality of life. The issue and, is... Like, he, he did something with school dinners, didn't he? And there was, like, reports in the news of, like, mums coming up to the school gates yeah. with, like, machis and that, like... Nah. The issue, the issue, I think, with Jamie is, is he's hard to like. Yeah, he's a bit of a bellend, isn't he? As a person. And also, you don't fix a problem by just snatching away the issue. Yeah. You're a child. Like, if you yeah. want a kid to eat healthily, you don't try beginning that process while they're eat, holding an ice cream. Yeah, it's, it's like what we do with clients as well. It's the same thing. Yeah. Like if if a client really really loves biscuits, they can have biscuits. You don't take biscuits. No, you're not allowed to eat biscuits. Otherwise, you'll be fat forever. It you... just reduces the adherence to the program. And yeah. also, um, like you've got like Caribbean. You're from like Caribbean descent, aren't you? Yeah. Um, so I'm sure you, your family have, were aware of the jerked rice and Jamie. It's not your it's not your bag oh, to start messing with that, mate. Like, nah. Do you know what's hilarious? On that topic, the funniest, just, just not to sound that this could be a little bit anti-racist. When English people or people of non-African or Caribbean descent try and cook African or Caribbean food, it's hilarious. It's just so funny. It's like one time I went to a pub and there was jerk chicken with rice and peas. If anyone knows what rice and peas is, it's not actual peas. It's like rice with kidney beans in. And it was genuinely just a plate of rice with like garden peas in. And I remember I ordered it and I was just in tears on the floor, crying, laughing. Because that's like... But again, like, I think it's a, re- it's a really British thing that like, we like to try and be like... As a whole, we like to try and be inclusive of other cultures. Yeah. But we think, like, by making a really bad attempt at, like, jerk chicken and rice and peas, we're, like, so culturally aware. Like, that's <laughs> going to be so appealing, the bad version of the food. We love a curry because, like, Indian like, Indian people moved to the UK and brought curry with them, but the curry that they make in the UK is not an Indian curry, and it's so far away yeah. from it. But we're, like... Oh, we love an Indian curry, but it's like that that isn't me. It's like that's our curry. That's an English curry. Like that that was made for our simple little palates. Like <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? That's, I love that about food. Like 
Hilarious. I seen someone posting. It was just a, a completely off topic. I seen someone posting. They went to Italy, and they were looking for Italian food, like you'd find in what, like what we call like Frankie and Benny's. They were like, I don't want none of this fancy, fancy pantsy stuff that they've got in in Italy. I just want some of the stuff like you get in Frankie and Benny's. Does anyone know where to get any in Rome? Oh, like, fuck no. Wait, you're in the home. You're in Rome. <laughs> in Italy, like. It's about as Italian as cooking can get. Like, if you're struggling to find an Italian dish in Italy, there's a problem. Like, it, I'd be worried if you were going to Italy and getting some Frankie and Benny's level Italian food. You know yeah. I, mean? I said to you before, when I went to Naples, I had that pizza. It's not even remotely similar. Like, it's genuinely, <laughs> like, another level. Like, I've, I've got a picture of it on my phone. It just looks shit. Like, it looks terrible. Like, it's just, like, a piece of bread with some tomato sauce on and, like, four dots of mozzarella. I'd, I literally put it in my mouth and I was like, this is the greatest <laughs> thing I've ever tasted. Like, not not even up for debate. I've never tasted anything as good as this. And it's just bread, tomato <laughs> sauce, and some mozzarella cheese. But it's just, like, the way they do it, I don't know what it is. It's just... And it's like, we've tried to take pizza and now we've got... Dominoes and like Papa John's and that, which isn't is nice, but it's not. It's it's just never the same. Same, no, is it? We always, I think, again, a very British thing that we we take ideas, rob them, and then make a really terrible attempt at it, and be like, no, that's it. We've got it right. <laughs> that's what's always tasted. That's like. a really good, a really good uh, metaphor for what America did. We took that land. It was like, no, this is it. This is yeah, ours. We make this is ours. What people? What people that were here? No, America. <laughs> what we did it better than they did. What we're on about pizza. This is yeah, pizza meat. That's what tikka masala, curry meat, curry. Curry is tikka masala. Put cream. Yeah. No. Oh. I love how this conversation has gone from what's it like to be a female PT to tikka masala. <laughs> This is my favourite thing about these podcasts is that they're just we're all over the place. Lucy, I want to ask you um, about Adele and the weight loss because you put an extremely passionate IGTV on the other day and it was amazing. I did. Yeah. I um, I seen that like quite a lot of people on social media were coming for Adele really badly. Um. I'm like, really sorry, guys, before you get into this, this is like a dead interesting topic. I'm actually going to have to jump off the podcast today. Um, I've got some stuff booked in with clients and some other things going on. Um, thank you all for joining us. Please stay, listen to the end, listen to what Lucy's going to say about the podcast. Um, but I'm going to have to go. So thank you all very much, and I'll catch you on the next episode. In a bit, lad. Bye. Yeah. You have so, time, Lou, so have you got a you got a call at some point? Um yeah, I've got a call within the next ten minutes, but can answer this and then. Rush through it then. Yeah. Okay, right. So I noticed that a lot of people were kind of coming for Adele on social media and just like saying like some just, just some horrible shit. Just like, oh, um you are disgracing your former self. Um you don't love yourself anymore. Um, you can't be body positive anymore. Like you're not, you're not a pioneer for the body positive community anymore. Um, 
things of that kind of nature. And I just think that nobody really has got the right to, to state what is right for somebody else. I can see, I can see where maybe loved ones of people may step in when someone is particularly over or underweight and it's like a life-saving kind of thing. I can, I can see why people may comment on that, but I can't see why people have got such an issue with people losing a healthy amount of weight or gaining a healthy amount of, of weight. I don't, I don't understand. If that's not your goal, that's fine. But I, I don't think that by Adele losing a lot of weight and improving her quality of life by doing so, I don't see that as a negative and I don't see it like she can't be in the body positive movement anymore. I think that like sometimes body the body positivity movement gets distorted by these people who are just promoting being morbidly obese and overweight. That's not healthy. That's not nobody's saying don't be body positive while you're on the road to like being a healthier you. Nobody's saying that you need to be a size 10, 8, 6. Nobody is saying that at all. You, you should always be but like positive about your body because you shouldn't be you shouldn't be talking negatively to yourself. Mm. But I just see it as like kind of kind of sad and like nasty spirited to to say to somebody, oh like you're a disgrace to your former self, like because you've yeah. lost weight. That just doesn't even make sense. I think could be a quite a controversial statement but i think largely a lot of that stuff is like there's just no disputing the fact that being morbidly obese is healthy or that it's unhealthy sorry there's just no disputing that so these people who are trying to justify it with science and saying no i'm i'm happy in my body and i'm healthy you're not so just stop saying it secondly i mean you may be happy but you're not healthy so stop saying it it's like I feel like when people are ridiculing Adele here for, for losing weight and becoming healthy and, and massively or drastically improving her physique, it's almost like they feel um, they feel that she's putting them to shame. It's like they, I feel like there's, there's an element of laziness or an element of I don't like want jealousy. Do I I don't want to put all that work in because I I'm just I, I just don't want to I'm not I haven't got the drive to do so so I'm going to pretend that I'm happy with it I'm going to pretend that I'm healthy even though deep down I'm not happy with it I'm also not healthy I'm just going to pretend that I am happy with it and I'm going to now ridicule Adele because she's actually challenged the thoughts of the body body positivity movement and she's like she's stepped out of her comfort zone but i'm not ready to do so so i'm gonna i'm gonna make her feel bad yeah i think that a lot of i think that a lot of that hate was that um but i also just think that you know it wouldn't be okay for a considerably thinner woman to comment on adele's before picture and and say to adele like god you're so overweight like you need to lose weight like like and comment on her physique there like that that is not okay like that would not have been okay so why is it okay to look at her slimmer frame now and say like you looked much better when you were overweight like you would never have said you would look so much better if you dropped a few stone like 
lost a few pounds. So you wouldn't, you should, ne- it should never be okay the other way around. Like as long as she's not underweight and she's healthy, then, then, then what's the issue? Like the way the way I see it is like, if somebody is happy with what they look like, and it's not health threatening, then why do we care? Like what? Why do we care what they're doing with their body? Like let them let them do what they want. Like I'm not asking anybody to become a bodybuilder and like want a six pack or I'm not asking anybody to be a size six. Like I'm not saying that that's the necessity. What I'm saying is like, if you, if you, if you're carrying a little bit of extra weight and you're happy and you're a healthy person, like you don't have any ailments, etc. like, like more power to you. Like you, you do what you feel is making you happy. And if you're happy with that physique, then that is perfectly fine. And I, I genuinely don't see an issue with that. However, if you are overweight and it's concerning to a health professional, then, I, then yeah, I, that's the that's the issue with that. You you obviously can't be healthy if it is concerning mm. to health professionals. Mm. Like there is lots of dangers to being obese. Like we we know this because it's been researched for years. So to be a hundred percent healthy and be morbidly obese is is impossible. Yeah. That's the issue with that. And when Adele very, very first came on the scene, she was morbidly obese. Mm-hmm. She was, she was a big woman. And I, I but the thing, the thing is as well, people's weight doesn't change with with their weight or their physique. So yeah. this annoyed, this annoyed me particularly because I still have the same view of Adele now as what I did when she first started. Like I, I feel I, when she was a bigger lady, I thought that she had an amazing voice. I thought that she was a pretty person. I, I appreciated their music. I still think that she has an amazing voice. I still think she's a pretty person and I still enjoy her music. Like nothing has changed. The worth of her has not changed. So for previous fans of her to now not be fans of her because her physique changed, I think is like, so fickle and so like far removed from what we should be like promoting as people just as human beings it's just ridiculous it's just completely surface level like just dickhead behavior i think that people have come become accustomed not just in the fitness industry but in everything to comment on on people's looks people's physiques people's lives just because certain people may show a little bit more of their life on social media than what other people do, or because maybe they're they're like famous for something, or like people think that they have the automatic right to comment on like what you look like and your body, and that's just not that's just not the case. Like if you've got nothing nice to say, like keep it to yourself. Like it most of the time situations aren't concerning, as in you know most of the time it's it, it, it obviously goes beyond like health and fitness, but in terms of what we're talking about, like. If somebody is severely overweight, they know they're severely overweight. Like mm. something will have been said to them. Their family will be worried about them. Like there's no, you don't need to jump on there and and like bash that person. You don't being need overweight. to tell me, man. I know. Yeah, like you don't need to. Like you don't need to. If somebody is like really seriously underweight, then intervention is obviously going to happen. But again, their family themselves, like like people will already know like there's no the, no no mean comment on a social media platform ever did any good like you you say like telling somebody how underweight they are and how ugly they are and how horrible their face is and all the rest of it is, isn't going to bring about anything 
Like, if you've got nothing nice to say, like, I, I just think that you shouldn't say it. It's all well and good having an opinion, but having an opinion that you can articulate in a way that is the least offensive. Mm-hmm. I um, put a, a story up the other, the other week. It was like, it said something like, social media has given people the... Or social media has made people comfortable with being rude to people without the fear of being punched in the face. Yeah, that's like, like, genuinely true. Half the shit. No, in fact, like ninety nine percent of the shit of the negative stuff on on Instagram or on any social media platform, no one would say that to the person's face. No, spattered rather than rather than those. It's not only that, but it would be the embarrassment of like just of, to be so rude to someone's yeah, face. Yeah, like the embarrassment of being that rude, like yeah. to somebody's face. But but, for some reason, people think they can do it over a screen. It's because it's not. It's not actual person contact like they don't know this person like you've never met them but they're leaving you a hate comment like leaving a hate comment for why for what like if that if that is what you are spending all of your time doing then then i hate to tell you but there is something wrong within yourself i said this in the video and i'll say it on here like there's something wrong within you that you need to fix if you feel like you need to comment negatively on other people all of the time they're just projecting hate that they feel for themselves onto other people most of yeah. the things that you're insecure about yourself, you hate about other people. Yeah, and there's no, there's no, for example, with the Adele thing, like you were saying before, I think a lot of the problem with that is like, you know, oh God, she's changed herself, so I, I can no longer relate to this individual because I'm, I'm bigger mm-hmm. than her, or I'm, I'm an over, I'm an overweight woman, and I, I related to Adele so much because. Um, she was also overweight and now those people who related to her so much feel like they can't relate to her anymore mm. and they haven't got the same kind of identities mm. if, and I think that that's the problem people relate themselves too much to mm. other people and get like emotionally attached to the things that they do like don't let yourself be emotionally attached to whether or not Adele loses or gains weight it has no effect on you whatsoever and it, it should be about you and what you want for your own body and like mm-hmm. the way that you feel comfortable and like if you feel comfortable carrying a little bit of extra weight then that's the way you feel comfortable if you feel comfortable being a little bit leaner then that's the way you feel comfortable mm-hmm. everyone can do whatever the fuck they want with their own bodies i seen my dad sent me this picture the other day and it was like it's just it's a little bit hippy like the sickest phrase i've ever heard we it said something to, it said earth suits so it's like like to me in the the way i feel about spirituality and the world and religion and everything i feel like we all have something within us and i'm not going to start going on about souls and shit but regardless of whatever it is our bodies are earth suits and that that it's a way for our souls or our beings to manifest themselves in this world so that we can we can do things and it's like yeah the fuck you want with your body like, I think that's a pretty amazing way of looking at it. Yeah. But it's such a sick sick phrase, earth suits. I'm going to make my earth suit dead lean. I've got yeah. my earth suit on. I've got my earth suit on. <laughs> I'm going to make it dead brown and dead lean. Dead brown and dead lean. Love that. Right. We'll, I know you've got a call now, Lou, so we'll end it there. Thank you so much for coming on. Hopefully, oh, thank you for will, having me. I will see you in the next 10 years at some point. Yes, we will. We'll have to organise something when all this madness is over. Yeah. Speak to you soon. See you See in you the soon. next episode, Bye. everyone.